Well, good morning. I can already sense you're a little bit more uncomfortable with me being closer to you this morning. But I think we'll get through it. I think we'll get through it. I want to welcome everybody. My name is Adam Sidler. I'm the senior pastor here. And if this is your first time or you're new, I'd love to meet you. We can do that out in the comments after the service. Thank you for joining us virtually as well. Uh, it's fantastic that you know, we have the uh, opportunity to be able to do that. A couple things I want to mention here really quick before we get going. The first is uh, last Tuesday, we began um, something that I'm super excited about, and that is a relationship we have with a new church that is using our facilities, our resources um, for their church. Uh, it's, uh, it's among church. Uh, they are part of the Southern Baptist Conference, and uh, they have been together for about seven years. They started with about three families, and they've basically grown to around 200 people now. Um, it's just, it, it's a fantastic community. I had a chance to go to uh, one of their services a few weeks ago. Um, I wanted to sit in the back, but they insisted I sit up front, so I know how you feel. I know how you feel. But uh, we had a good time, and they are just fantastic people. The senior pastor there, his name's Chuck Liu, and he um, is from Fresno, California, um, uh, and he came out here about six years ago. Uh, really, really great uh, man, and again, great community. So every Tuesday night, they have ministry here, um, and they do their uh, Bible studies, some classes, some small groups, um, as well as their youth meet that evening as well, and they uh, rehearse for their worship. And then Sunday afternoons, they're going to be here at 1230 and prepare for their uh, Sunday school classes and then church service that they'll have here in this space this afternoon. Um, so, if you're here and you see them walk in, please welcome them, uh, thank them for being here, and uh, I look forward to also having opportunities where we can be together with them in some special um, uh, services, too, over the coming years. So, speaking of being together, one of the difficult things, one of the many difficult things, I mean, let's just call it what it is, elephant in the room, COVID sucks. Can I get an Amen. Amen. All right. So um, one of the things that, one of the many things that COVID has done is it's run um, uh, amok with the church's ability to be a community, um, and for a whole myriad of reasons. Uh, but one of the difficult things in the midst of all that is the perception, or lack thereof, of a community that continues. Um, and, and so, for instance, we have individuals who are here in the space in person, um, and that's upwards to, you know, 45, 50 people um, that are in the church right now, uh, probably more than that, probably about 60, 65, along with the kids as well. Um, and then we have individuals uh, such as yourself that are joining us virtually. The thing is, is, is people that are in the room can't see you. You obviously can't see them, um, and also, if you're joining with us virtually, you're either watching by yourself or you're watching with uh, another uh, family member or family, and um, you aren't aware of all the other people that are watching virtually, too. And so, it, it messes with this ability to be able to perceive community. Um, now, there will be a day when this will all be in the rearview mirror. Can we all agree all right. 
This, <laughs> that is happening. Uh, 2022 will be a better year. Um, I, I do believe that. Um, but I want you to all know and be aware that right now we have over 100 people that are connected right now with this time together people in this room, and people joining virtually. And then, not to mention, we had over 100 people that were connected last service, and plus we have ministries that continue all throughout the week. I've mentioned this before, but we have upwards of 300 people on a weekly basis who are connecting with us. And, um, and, and so I look forward, greatly look forward to the day when all this is behind us, and we're able to, without... Um, worry or fear, uh, we're able to be together in celebration of the community that God has uh, blessed us with. So let's remember that. Surge forward in hopefulness and in joy, as Joel mentioned, in what God continues to do in our midst. Uh, So with that being said, we are venturing into something rather audacious here over this year, 2022. We're going to be going through, over the whole course of this year, 50 weeks, a series on the book of Acts. Now, this is, this is new for me, too. So um, if, if you haven't been involved in a, in a, like a series or a study that hasn't, uh, that's, hasn't gone longer than six weeks, um, I'm in that same boat. I have never taught a series that has been this long, nor have I actually been a part of a church that's done a series this long. But as I was praying and preparing, God, where are you leading our church? Where are you leading North Haven? Where are you leading me and my leadership? How is it that you want us to rally around something this year? And as I was praying and thinking through that, talking with a lot of you, and God really began to uh, clarify um, a journey uh, for, for us. And it came in the form, in the shape of this series, Going Through the Book of Acts. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Acts, that's okay. You've you got 50 weeks to, to get nestled into this. So uh, Acts is in the New Testament, and it's, it's basically, we're going it, to, it doesn't do it justice to, to say it in this regard, but it's basically the, the telling of the, the early church, the story of how it is that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what we're calling the series, to the ends of the earth. And, and so we're going to journey through that together. We're going to explore what, what was this early church like? What, what was its mission? What was its purpose? Um, how is it that we can then see in its reflection ourselves and our own mission and purpose? Not just as individuals, but then as a church so I need your help. We're going to try something. We did this last service, and it was successful. So I'm hoping you guys can rise to the occasion. It's for everybody in this room, as well as all of you joining virtually. Now, um, we're going to put something on the screen. This is a phone number and a word, and I'm asking you to, to take a moment and take out your uh, cell phone, your smartphone, and I want you to, don't worry, you're not going to be inundated with solicitations or anything like that. This is a North Haven number. So I want you to text the word time. Take a second, text the word time to this number, 833-581-2331. When you do that, you're going to get a prompt. It's going to ask you, 
when and where would you like to go back in time to? We're going to be doing things like this over the course of this year, getting you guys involved and invested um, and maybe stay awake a little better during our our uh, message time here this morning. But once you get that prompt, go ahead and indicate when and where you would like to go back in time, and I'll begin to share those things um, as, as uh, you do. You know, I'm a podcast listener, listen to a lot of podcasts, and there's this one podcast that I love listening to, and um, I've listened to uh, many episodes over and over and over again. And I always find myself when I'm listening to episodes that were, that were done before uh, March of 2020, I always, I always get jealous of those people, <laughs> the people from the past that, didn't, that weren't living in COVID. So again, once you get that prompt, go ahead and respond and let me know where it is that you would like to be um, and back in time. So we're getting some responses here. Great. All right. Pennsylvania, 1776. When my kids were babies. That's courageous. All right. 1850. Anybody want to tell me why 1850? Must have been a virtual one. All right. To the 1900s. uh, 1950s. All right. We had some uh, from the last service indicated uh, Garden of Eden. Um, I don't know if they took into account that they would be naked. Um, looked at also uh, the Mount Sinai, the beginnings of the early church. Um, so I'm getting some more responses here. We got, um, uh, let's see here, keep them coming. When I was a newlywed with no kids. <laughs> fair, fair. All right, 1800s, 1880. Garden of Eden, after creation. Jesus' birthday. And the start of junior high. <laughs> really? Wow. All right. Wild West. The moon landing. Was it fake? Here and now. All right, World War II. Birth of My Children, 2005-2006, Pioneer Age. I would like to go back to pre-COVID when I was really finding myself in high school. We all can think of where it is we'd like to go back in time. It doesn't take us much uh, energy to come up with an idea of that. Uh, and, and that's been fantasized in, in movies and TV shows and in books, uh, including this amazing movie from the 1980s. Check this out. I'll show you how it works. First, you turn the time circuits on. This readout tells you where you're going, this one tells you where you are, this one tells you where you were. You input your destination time on this keypad. Say you want to see the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Or witness the birth of Christ. Here's a red letter date in the history of science. November 5th, 1955. Yes, of 
course, November 5th, 1955. Why, I don't get what happened. <laughs> that was the day I invented time travel. I remember it vividly. I was standing on the edge of my toilet, hanging a clock. The porcelain was wet. I slipped, hit my head on the edge of the sink. And when I came to, I had a revelation, a vision, a picture in my head, a picture of this. This is what makes time travel possible. The flux capacitor. Flux capacitor? It's taken me almost 30 years of my entire family fortune to realize the vision of that day. Now, of all the places and times that you could go back to, perhaps, perhaps, one of the places you would consider, one of the times that you would consider, is back when the early church first began. What an exciting, uh, revolutionary time that that must have been. Um, But it was a very difficult time. I mean, this was obviously a, a, a time in which the church was, was learning how to walk, right, on its own two feet for the very first time. Everybody was literally a new Christian. Everybody was trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing and what that meant for them and what it meant for their families, for their communities. But perhaps, perhaps you would like to go back in time to see that take shape, to see the beginnings of what God created, and maybe to get a better understanding of why. Now, the history of the church, and we have to remember it this way, the history of the church is rooted in world history, in that it actually happened. Do you think of it that way? The history of the church actually Happened, And the book of Acts, as we investigate and as we go through this important book in the Bible, we're going to see that it isn't just simply church history, but rather it's the history of the church on mission. The history of the church on mission. It's about Jesus and about what he is doing in the world. And the author of Acts, Luke, he recognized that this was a mission that he was called to be a part of as well. And that this story about Jesus was a story in which he actually also played a role. And so that's a question that I'd like to pose to all of you right off the bat. Is this a story that you also see yourself a part of? Is this a story that you see you having a role? Do you see yourself in the midst of Jesus' story and the story of the church? And maybe more poignantly is this. We spend time, a lot of time, a lot more time than we would care to admit, um, wondering why God isn't doing more. I think and wonder, do you think God asked the same question about you? Does he ask the same question about our church? Why aren't we doing more? Now, when we look at the book of Acts, one cannot talk about the book of Acts without considering the other book that Luke, the author of Acts, wrote. That book is named what? Luke. Very, very original. Now, 
Most scholars suggest that both of these books, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, were written about 80, 90 AD, which is about 40, 45 years after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. So as I mentioned, everybody at this time is basically, you know, historically an infant when it comes to their relationship with Jesus. Everybody is trying to figure this out, and that's why that instruction and guidance, as we're going to look at, is so critical. The Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were intended to be considered part one and part two of a larger story. So Luke, as he wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he wrote them basically in tandem with the expectation that people would consider them to be part one and part two of an overarching larger narrative. As a matter of fact, the beginning of Acts basically is a retelling of what happened at the end of Luke. It's like with any good TV show, when you have a to-be-continued what happens in that second episode? It's just a, it's a quick recap of what happened in the first episode. That's what's happening in the beginning of Acts. At the end of Luke, chapter 24, verses 50 through 53, it says this. When Jesus had led his disciples out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, He left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. This interaction is then expounded upon. It It is touched on, but then in even more detail in this first chapter in Acts, and we'll we'll look at that in subsequent weeks. But first things first, right away. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke does something really important. He connects the ministry of Jesus to the ministry of the church. They are interlocked. They are inseparable. Luke is setting the stage. He then goes on to point out that Acts is the story of the church continuing in the work, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But there is, a, there is a pertinent distinction in the book of Acts in that the work and message of Jesus aren't carried by Jesus himself, but rather it is carried by who? The church. So today we're going to begin this 50-week journey into this amazing, amazing book. And we're going to, we're going to walk through the book of Acts And we're going to examine this remarkable spread of the gospel of the kingdom of God from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we're going to take a front row seat. We're going to study Jesus' ascension. We're going to look at the birth of the church through Pentecost. We're going to look at Paul's missionary journeys. And then we're going to go back and we're going to look at what continues today, the church being God's witness being on a mission for Jesus' kingdom. And, and today we're going to start, just like when you're training for a marathon, for those of you that have done something like that, or a, or a half marathon, you got to start somewhere, right? 
And it's not always easy when you start, but you're going to gain momentum. And we're going to get we're going to get into this, and some things are going to become so amazingly apparent to us that I'm hoping and praying that it's going to spur us on towards love and good deeds in a way that we could never imagine. But today we're going to start small. We're going to start with only the first two verses of chapter 1. First two verses. Here they are. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. I'm going to leave this scripture on the, on the screen because this is, this is so jam-packed. It, it don't, don't take for granted that this is just the first two verses of, of the first chapter in the book of Acts. These two verses are so jam-packed with truth and guidance and life, we cannot overlook it. The first thing we got to ask is, who the heck is Theophilus? Anybody wondering that? It's okay. Who is Theo? Well, Theophilus was mentioned before. He was mentioned in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, namely verses 3 through 4. Luke wrote this. He said, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now, who Theophilus is, I'm just going to be quite honest with you, it doesn't really matter. Um, he, he was an individual that Luke was addressing in both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. He was most, he was most likely a real person, most likely then also uh, somebody who was a believer, a Christian, and an early believer Christian at that. But keep in mind, all Christians, as I mentioned, were, were new Christians at the time of, of Luke's writing on both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. So here, we're going to move past the Theophilus um, uh, designation, and we're going to look instead at both of these books for a second, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And we're going to recognize that they have a certain flavor and and a specific purpose that gives a reliable account of Christianity's Beginnings. Remember, Luke writes this in the first two verses here in Acts chapter 1. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Right away, within these first two verses in Acts, Luke makes clear what the gospel of Luke was set out to begin When he says, in my previous account, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So that is in reference to the Gospel of Luke. But there is a word, we're going to keep this on the screen, there's a word that's being used here that is very important. What word is that? Yes, began. Luke is saying here that the Gospel of Luke was just the beginning. That Jesus' life, 
his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and then his ascension, that wasn't just, that wasn't the complete story. And we just got done uh, celebrating Christmas. I love Christmas. I'm a Christmas guy. And when we celebrate Christmas, we talk about Jesus' birth, and we talk about its impact and, and how incredible it is that God came to us. And we celebrate that, as we should. But then when Christmas is over, churches all across the, the world start gearing up for what? Easter. And at Easter, well, we, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ became for us on the cross and how he gave his life as a ransom for our sin, providing a way for us to have life everlasting because of his resurrection, his defeat of death. And so we focus on that. And then intermixed between um, Easter and, and, and Christmas and Christmas and Easter, we talk about, about Jesus' ministry, or we look at his parables, or we consider his miracles. And, and what we tend to do, even though we don't try to do this intentionally or consciously, is we put Jesus in this 33-year box. We think that Jesus' work was confined to the moment he was born, to the moment that he died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And we were like, wow, that's cool. What can we learn from that? And then we leave it at that. And we forget that, that Jesus was busy doing his work well before the moment he was born, and he continues to do that well after his ascension into heaven. Remember what it says in John chapter 1, verse 1? In the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with him in the beginning. So this is key began, this word began is critical. Luke is saying here in the very first two verses of the book of Acts that the gospel of Luke, that was all about what Jesus began to do. Now, we're going to look at part two. And here's the cool thing. We are in part two. We are in the book of Acts. That's why we need to see ourselves in the midst of this. We need to see ourselves as part of this story, as part of this narrative, as part of this mission. We are officially living part two. Now, we're going to look at the details of the instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that Luke references in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 that we just saw. We're going to look at those instructions in the upcoming weeks. Um, they are uh, important and beautiful and enlightening 
They are so important, so critical, these instructions that Luke references in these first two verses that he, he uh, details them three times, both in Luke and the book of Acts. And yet another reason why Jesus' instruction that Paul references is so important is because it makes this significant transition between part one and part two. Jesus is essentially, in this instruction, he's handing over a baton. And you know what he's saying? Your turn. He's saying your turn. In these first two verses, Jesus' followers are, are specifically referred to not as disciples, but as what? Apostles. Now, the Greek word, New Testament, was written in, in ancient Greek, Koine Greek, and, and so it's important to look at these original words and these original meanings. The, the Greek word that's used for apostles is apostolos. Apostolos, it basically means a special messenger of Jesus Christ, one who is sent. A special messenger of Jesus Christ, one who is sent. Now, why is it so important here that that, that Luke refers to these individuals, these 11 that Jesus is giving instruction to as apostles. It's essential because it indicates that now this word apostle that we often give to these, these now 11 men, remember Judas had killed himself, so there's 11 individuals now, soon to be 12 with Matthias. Paul is later referred to as, a, as, as an apostle. We tend to give this word specifically to these kind of hall of fame, you know, individuals that we hold on a pedestal. I was talking to someone um, earlier this morning, and uh, he was being very transparent and honest with me, and, and it, was just, uh, it, was, it was a great conversation, but he was just basically saying, you know, I, I'm just finding myself worrying about so many things. I'm worrying about so many things, but yet I'm, I'm also telling people, um, you know, don't, don't worry. Be anxious for nothing. Put your trust in God. And then he looks at me and he says, why, why can't I do what I say? And I said, well, if it's any consolation, uh, Paul struggled with that. Paul himself says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And why don't I do the things I do want to do? Uh, I said, if you can put yourself in the company of Paul, I think you're doing okay. We tend to put these individuals on pedestals and we say, wow, that's certainly out of reach. But this apostle, this word is so essential here because it's saying that it is not unique only to the 11 that Jesus is speaking to. The word apostle now includes anyone who carries with them the message of the gospel. Anyone who carries with them the message of the gospel is one who is sent. It 
If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've decided to follow him and make him the leader of your life, the Bible tells you that you are saved. And you know what? You are carrying the message of the gospel. You are one who has been sent. You are an apostle. We cannot forget the other key figure that's in this, um, this, this passage in these first two verses. A critical figure in the life of, of the church. Who is that? Those first two verses in Acts. Be bold. Who is it? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The continued work of Jesus is done by those who have been sent, that is you and I, followers of Jesus Christ, and by those who carry with them his message and through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see how that shapes in the early church. That's the mission of the church. And so it's broken down into these bare elements. The what. What is the focus of the gospel? Jesus. The what is Jesus? Who? Who has been charged to carry the message of the message of Jesus? It's us. It's the church. It's those sent to share Jesus' message. How? How do we do that? Through the Holy Spirit. That that is a profound message, everybody. And that's only in the first two verses of the first chapter in the book of Acts. The message of Jesus is carried by those sent through the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a, a new believer uh, who came to a priest after reading the entire New Testament and specifically the book of Acts. He realized that the church had been given this mission to continue what Jesus had begun. And this new believer then saw that the church participated in what Jesus had left for it after his death, after his resurrection and his ascension. Therefore, this new believer, he looked at this priest and he said, I must, I must belong to the church that carries on the life of Christ. Go back to that question that I asked earlier. These days, we often, either consciously or subconsciously, wonder what God is doing and maybe we don't think about whether God's wondering that about us that's what I'm, I'm hoping praying that this journey will do for me as an individual and then as, as a church that we'll gain clarity and perspective on certainly the early church and its mission, its purpose. Why? 
the who, the how, but that we would see a reflection of ourselves again as individuals and then as a church and have a better understanding of what he's called us to and to get busy doing it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for who you are, for the life that you have given us. We thank you for the joy that we have, the joy of our salvation. I pray that we would carry the message with boldness, with grace and mercy, with love, that we would rely, tap into the power that you freely give through the Holy Spirit and that together we would see amazing things happen in our lives, in this church, and in this world. Pray this in your name. Amen.